0: Let's lift our hands and pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here this afternoon. Lord, we cast ourselves upon you, your grace and your mercy, Lord. Lord, we thank you that in you, Father, we've received a forgiveness, Father, that we could never have earned. We've received a cleansing that we could have never affected. We've received a position in you that you give to us, but we don't deserve. And we've received the gift of your eternal life. And Lord Jesus, we ask you today that you become more real to us that you'd open the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of our understanding, that we would see you and see the plan that you have for us. And Lord, we ask you that you would stir up faith on the inside as we believe you, as we lay hold of you, as we walk forward with you. And Lord, we know, Father, that you have a plan and purpose for us. And we want to walk with you in that plan and purpose, that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Why don't you take your seats? Thank you so much to the team for leading us in worship tonight. It's great to be here with you today. How are you all today? You having a good one? It was a sunny morning. It's getting a little bit overcast. Any of you get wet on your way in today? It's not raining just yet, but you'll have to stay in for the five and for the seven, wait for the rain to stop. Amen. Bruce is going to be preaching at both of those in our Holy Spirit fire service this evening. We're starting a brand new series today, just on page three of the Revival Times, Get Up and Go is its title, and we're just continuing on the themes that we've had, dreams and visions in January. In February, we had the messages on seizing the life, and now we're going to be looking at actually stepping out practically into the call of God on your life, and we really want to see you set loose on a trajectory where you'll impact the world around you. Now, we're starting off this series with just a real clear, crystal clear message for you today, and that is this, that God believes in you. You might not believe in God. You might be here today thinking, you know what, I've come in to just check out what these Christians do. You might be thinking, you know what, God has to prove himself to me. God has to show himself somehow that he's on my side. But I want to tell you something really simple, that God believes in you. So much so that he's committed himself 100% to you and to your becoming who he's created for you to be. Second thing that I want to say in that context is that the Christian life is an exciting life. The Christian life is a life full of potential, a life full of risk, a life full of experience, a life full of hope, a life full of joy. Even if you're going through a real difficult time right now, I want to let you know that God has a hope for you and he has joy for you today. It's important to say that because we often think God's best for me what does that look like? Let me not do very much exciting. When I tell my friends that I've become a Christian, I also explain I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, I stop swearing, I I stop listening to death metal, or I stop listening to club music. That seems to be the way that we express our Christianity. It has nothing to do with who we are in Christ. The fact that we have hope where before we might have had no hope. The fact that we have a future, where before we might have been despairing about what future we could make for ourselves. The fact that we can know the creator of the heavens and the earth in a personal relationship. That's what makes the Christian life so much more real and exciting. And actually, it begins to trickle into every area of our life, and in some cases, gush into every area of our life, where we start to see the life come come about. Maybe you've been someone that's Cocooned yourself, isolated yourself, separated yourself from your friends, your family, for any number of reasons. But as God starts to work in and through your life, you'd start to see power going forth in your life to love people, power to restore connections, power to make change where previously you thought failure was your only option. We want to inspire you through this series to get up and go for it with God. And I want to start today's message with a uh, short reading from Matthew chapter, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. This is the story of blind Bartimaeus. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus was sitting. Bartimaeus got called and threw off his cloak and came to Jesus. Bartimaeus was sent on his way to live for Jesus. I want to explore today's message in two simple categories. Where are we sitting And where are we going? Where are we sitting in a negative sense? And where are we going in a negative sense? And where are we sitting in a positive sense? And where are we going in a positive sense? I want to ask you, what has you sitting by the side of the road? We're looking here at the story of Bartimaeus, a blind man. Most of you here that I can see aren't blind. Some of you might have visual impairments. But some of you might have other things holding you back. Bartimaeus's particular affliction was that he couldn't see physically. The great thing that we go on to see is that he could see spiritually. He could lay see that Jesus was somebody that could help him. He could reach out to lay hold of Jesus. But physically he couldn't see. What's your restriction today? Is it a physical impairment? Or is it an emotional impairment? Or is it a a psychological impairment? Or is it indeed a spiritual impairment in sin? Now imagine what Bartimaeus' life was like. He'd lived a life where he had experienced sight. He knew what it was to see people. He wasn't one of these guys that Jesus healed who had been born blind. It says that he recovered his sight. So he was born able to see, and somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, he had lost his sight. And instead of being a purposeful, fruitful man like he previously might have been, we don't know from the story, he finds himself sat by the side of the road. How do you think he got there? Maybe he had a good friend. Maybe he had someone who would lead him out and place him outside the house. Most likely not. Most likely he just had to make his way, get to the side of the road, maybe through feeling around in the dirt, maybe he had a stick that he would use, we don't know. But every day, day in, day out, he would make his way out to the side of the road. And he'd be sitting there by the side of the road, listening out, trying to catch who was walking past, how many, was it animals, was it people, trying to engage somehow with life and yet the whole time feeling a massive gulf between him and the life that was going on around him. People not stopping to engage him. People not stopping to listen to him. People not stopping to talk with him. Most people probably trying to tiptoe by so that he wouldn't see them or hear them and ask them for alms. Maybe even some crossing to the other side of the road. And the whole time Bartimaeus is there wishing that he could be purposeful. Wishing that he could engage with the life that God had given him. Wishing that he could get up and do something. But he couldn't. Imagine that over a course of not just days, or even weeks, or even months, but years. Imagine feeling completely disconnected from the life that you're supposed to be living because of a physical impairment. Now, some of you can immediately connect because you've got that going on in your life. As I said, an emotional, physical, psychological, or spiritual impairment. But he was finding that he wasn't fit for purpose. He was finding that he wasn't important to people. Can you imagine that people that were following Jesus around that could see Jesus healing the sick, opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, these same people that were following Jesus around watching all of this stuff, when it came to the blind guy, shut up. Shut up. He doesn't want to hear from you. Can you imagine that people who could see something that could make a difference in his life didn't have it in their heart? to bring him, to introduce him, like the four friends who helped the paralyzed man and let him down through the roof. See, these people didn't want to hear from a blind guy. So he's left sitting. Imagine what would have happened if this was maybe the fifth time that Jesus came past. The first time maybe Bartimaeus was hoping that someone would Lead him to Jesus. Second time, maybe he started to shout out, but he just couldn't shout loud enough. Third time, fourth time, starts to give up hope, starts to give up an aspiration that Jesus might one day stop by him. And then this fifth time, Jesus comes walking by and he starts to shout out with everything in his heart because he's tired of having no hope. He's tired of being inactive. He's tired of, sorry for the word, watching life go by. He's seeing life just trickle by him. Unfortunately, the life that he's living has led him to have to beg from other people. The life that he's living has led him to have to rely on other people. And when people don't help, you've got nowhere to go. What has got you sitting by the side of the road? What has got you thinking that you can't do it? Maybe you've got disconnected from the vine. Maybe in your walk with God, maybe God did something or didn't do something that left you feeling like he wasn't on your side. Maybe you were praying for your marriage to be restored. Maybe you were praying for your friend to be healed or your family member to be healed. Maybe you were praying that God would bless you with a job. Maybe you were praying that God would help you out of a difficult situation and apparently it looked like he didn't do it. Or maybe he really didn't do it. and He disconnected from the vine. I can't trust that God. I can't walk with that God. He doesn't hear my prayer. Maybe you might have cut yourself off from people for a legitimate reason. Maybe you had a a friend that you went into business with and you were hoping to make money and you had the aspirations, I'm going to make money for the kingdom of God and I'm going to be able to fund missions and I'm going to be able to do great things and, and then that friend betrays you, stabs you in the back, leaves you with nothing left. Or maybe they broke your heart, they didn't respond to your affections or maybe they treated your affections lightly. And you might have made that into a legitimate reason why you're not engaged with the vine any longer. Maybe you might be sitting beside of the road because you don't really know that God is for you, God is with you, God is on your side. And maybe when we start to talk about things like God has a plan for your life, not sure what God really wants us to do. And maybe that manifests in different ways, maybe a fear of failure. Anyone know what a fear of failure looks like? I can't start because I might not finish. I don't have the skill set anyway. I'm not even going to make it beyond the first hurdle. I don't like to make mistakes because if I make a mistake, somebody's going to laugh at me, think I'm stupid, think I'm incapable, and they're going to withdraw love from me. Any one of these reasons might have a sitting beside the side of the road. Or maybe they might be a little bit more Uh, less discernible, not quite so tangible in terms of problematic stuff. Maybe it's stuff where you've convinced yourself that you're okay, indifference. You know, I've got some friends, um, they're just afraid of following the call of God, afraid of following what God has laid out for their life, afraid of the unknown. All of us know what this is like. You know you know, when the preacher gets up front, and they're like, you know what? There's some people that are called by God in this place today, and God is calling you to be an evangelist, and God is calling you to be a missionary, and you start to feel that fire burning in your heart, and you're like, stop it. Stop it. Put the fire out. Put the fire out. Why, why are you saying put the fire out? Because God's going to send me to China, and I don't want to go to China. Now, you know what? If God says he's going to send you to China, the food there is awesome, But we get afraid of the unknown. You know, God might ask me to really give him everything, and so I'm not going to give him anything. I'm not, going to, I'm not prepared to go to China. I'm not prepared to engage with this life that God had. When God might never have even been leading you to go to China. When the call of God might be to challenge you right where you're at, right where you're living, to start to love people when previously you felt disengaged. To start to pour the grace of God into that situation. Maybe to think about going on short-term missions here or there, but really to be effectively Christ-like exactly where he's placed you to be. But that fear can cripple us. That fear can inhibit us. I was talking to a friend about just this. I said, you know what, you're so afraid of going to China when you should be more afraid of not stepping into your purpose because of that fear of China. See, this thing that's way off in the periphery was blocking him from an immediate call of God, an immediate challenge to step into the plan of God and purpose of God for his life. Or maybe you've dressed up apathy as patience and said that it was a spiritual gift. Maybe you're the person that's, you know, God, I'm just waiting for God to lead me. Hey, why don't you come and help me out with this? No, 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 I'm just waiting for God to lead me. Hey, why don't you come and help serve in this area? No, 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 I'm just waiting for God to lead me. Hey, we're going to make you famous. Oh, God's leading me that way. But we seem to have justified this waiting on God, and it's become a year, two years, five years. Do you know if the church that was waiting on God really heard the call of God, this whole world would have been saved 10 years ago. If every Christian who was really waiting on the call of God got up out of their seats and started to walk in the call of God, we'd see millions of people getting saved every single day. That's the reality. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why maybe that's not happening right now. But at fundamental core level, apathy is not a spiritual gift. Ignoring the opportunities to be faithful with small things is not wisdom. God says, Be faithful in the small things, and I'll give you much to look after. Any one of these things could have held you sitting beside the side of the road. And what's the problem with that? What's the problem with that? Are we missing out? Are we not hearing clearly the call of God for our life? Are we going to miss our opportunities? I think the issue that sits underneath all of this stuff is the overemphasis on self. The sense of my self-importance, my own agenda, my status, my self-sufficiency. And if we focus too much on self, we lose perspective on what God has really got for us. And maybe if we are focused too much on self... We don't see what God sees in us. Rather, when we focus on self, we try to measure how we're doing. And we try to measure that by looking at the person next to you. Hey, that person's only lost two pounds since Christmas. I've lost ten. Hey, that person, you know, they're wearing the same suit they were wearing last week or same dress they were wearing two weeks ago. Hey, that person, their hair doesn't look very cool. Hey, that person. And any kind of excuse that we can use, I could sing better than them if I wanted. I'm just not called to it just yet. I could uh, make better art than that person if I wanted. I'm just not called to it yet. And we use any kind of excuse to get around and enable and empower our selfish decisions not to continue walking in the plan and purpose of God for our lives. And what am I painting a picture of here? I'm painting a picture of a problem A problem that Bartimaeus had that all of us could have, and that is that we're sitting in in the side of the road when we should be sitting with Christ in heavenly places. We're sitting beside the side of the road, disempowered from walking in the call of God on our life, when we should be empowered by God to step into the plan and purpose that he has for us. And what is the overall problem? We've identified self as an issue. We've identified some, some manifesting behaviors that are issues. But the overall problem or the fundamental problem is this. That devoid of the presence of God, and being and not being obedient to His leading, will mean that we will never be who we are called to be. Or say it a different way: for you to be who you're called to be, you need to be in God's presence, and you need to be walking in His path that He has for you. Now, if you're sitting in this place, this place where. You're by the side of the road. What does life look like? Life looks like self-sufficiency. It looks like I'm out for me. You should be out for you. If you're not out for you, don't expect me to wait for you to catch up. I'm going to climb over you to get to where I need to go. Or we might be behaving like this. God, I got this. I got it all figured out. I know the plan that you have for me. I'm going to run ahead of you. And we catch a vision, maybe God is calling you to be a preacher or maybe God is calling you to be a senior businessman or maybe God is calling you to be a mother or a father and we go running ahead and try to figure things out on our own. We run ahead and try to figure out, God, how can we do this? Without waiting for him. Or you might not be the self-sufficient type. You might be the type that rather is entitled. That's what Colin was preaching about this morning. The issue is that we are... We're not entitled to anything with God. We sort of sit here and say, God, you owe me. You've got to p- I pray a certain way. I act a certain way. You've got to do it. But that's not what God is there for. And neither is it what we're here for. See, there's a place where we should really be sitting. And it's not by the side of the road. And there's a place that we should be walking And it's not in the gutters of life, it's not in the places where uh, we are fulfilling our own dream, our own destiny. But rather it's to fulfill the plan that God has for us, with us, and that he's fulfilling through us. Now before I go too much further on, we've got to focus on the fact that these issues I'm discussing now are issues of where we're sitting What we receive by grace. If you're sitting there and I was to say, to you run? You're not going to run anyway. You're sitting. But if I was to come and put a gift in your hand, you would be able to receive it, right? Same principle here. Where are you sitting? Where are you sitting in your life? Bartimaeus was sitting by the side of the road, but suddenly the call of God pulled him out of that place and he was walking with Jesus. When he went back to sit down again, do you think he went to sit by the side of the road? Or do you think that he went to start walking in the plan of God for his life? It says that he went in the way with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. So with us today, before we even talk about walking out our faith, where are we sitting? Where has Jesus taken us out from and placed us into? We're secure in Christ. That's the first thing I want to say. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now that verse, I don't know how it speaks to you, if it speaks to your heart, but it speaks to me in the sense that we have been given such a position we didn't even earn that we've been taken from a place of sin filth by the side of the road and we've been placed in Christ Jesus and not only have we been placed in Christ Jesus the holiest purest best reflection of God that we have ever encountered the one who's given us the gift of eternal life that was a perfect sacrifice not only have we been placed in him but we've been given an opportunity to live for his glory and even more than that, it seems to say that we will, of the glory that He gives us, give Him glory. So we're not called to be the lowly slave, filthy, dirty Christians. We're called to be co-heirs, co-labouring with Christ for His glory and ultimately the Father's glory. That's a purposeful life. That's speaking to some of us who, are like oh, God, you know, He couldn't use me couldn't use me you've got the list of reasons god couldn't use you you know you don't know how many people i slept with You don't know how many people i've cheated you don't know how many people i've led into drugs and alcohol even though i myself didn't get involved or maybe you did get involved in drugs and alcohol and as a consequence you were violent towards other people you don't god you don't know you don't know the fact that i've given up children for adoption you don't know the fact that i've had abortions god you don't know that i'm now five six seven husbands deep You don't know these things. How can you say that God has a plan for my life? All I know is that the scripture speaks to all of us. The scripture speaks to all of us who says that we have been raised in Christ. The scripture speaks to all of us about how cleansed we have been by the blood of Jesus. There's not one person in this room, especially me, that could look at anyone else and say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? All of us have been bought by the blood of Jesus. All of us have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And maybe I didn't use your name or the thing you've done in that list that I've just reeled off. But if you're thinking of the one thing, one time I said this and there was one, something along these lines and there was a gentleman in the room who was waiting for me to say it. He was waiting for me to talk to him about the fact that he was thinking about a transgender operation. Because I didn't say specifically that issue, he thought that I didn't include him in what I was saying. But literally, all of you, God can work in and through. God can cleanse. God can bring from the prostitute and the tax collector through to the most righteous person. God has a plan for your life. Ephesians 2 verse 4, But God being rich in mercy. There are some people that are real rich in the world. They can go and buy a nice car. They can go buy a nice house. They can buy you you, your house and the houses next to you and the house across the street without even blinking. Got a lot of money, but not got very much mercy. Not got very much grace. Even us Christians in the house need to learn a little bit more about getting mercy and grace in our hearts. But God, being rich, in mercy, rich in mercy, because of the great love which with, with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were sinners, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. And he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mean, The, the scripture speaks, speaks for itself. But the riches of God's grace extended towards you aren't just so you can be a cleaned up, nice Christian that gets put back on the shelf and you're like, I better not sin again. I'm not gonna engage with the world. I've gotta wrap myself up in cotton wool and cling film and make sure that there's air filters on all my houses and everything. Whatever it is, I can stay untouched from the world. No, he's saying, because of this abundant grace and cleansing in your life, in response to it, walk out the plan of God for your life. Walk out what God has called you to be who he's called you to be. I often think in terms of my own testimony in this house when I think about how good God is. When I came into this church April 2004, 11 years ago, I probably had a hangover, I can't remember. But I came and sat in the church and got sandwiched in by two of our African mamas. And there was no way I was going anywhere. And I looked up at God and I said, God, you're a joker. (laughs) But the the first time I'm back in church, he made sure I wasn't leaving. I sat in this church time and again with black eyes, with hangovers, having just had a fight the, the few days before, whatever it might be. And then I got real serious about God. And I began to recognize that, you know, grace had, had changed me. But what that did to me was make me into an excellence freak or a legalist. If anyone else was misbehaving, well, this is God's house. You don't misbehave in God's house. You know, I've, I've cleaned up my act. You better clean up your act. And I started to get real legalistic with people, helping them out of the church if they were causing problems. You know, those kind of wonderful people. And still the grace of God carried on reaching out to me. And still the grace of God carried on working in my life. And still the grace of God helped me to start to love people. And still the grace of God helped me to start being more merciful to people. And still the grace of God helped me to start preaching more gently and softer. Still straight. Still true. But with a smile on my face. And still the grace of God is working. every day as I try to walk out the call of God on my life, his purpose for me. Now that was what God did in me so that I could live the plan of God for my life. Not saying that in order to become a serious Christian, you, you get onto the platform eventually and you start to preach. What I found was that as God was leading me this way, that every gift he'd put in my heart and in my life molded exactly to what I I am becoming and what I am doing. The fact that he's given me a voice, the fact that he's given me an organizational mind, the fact that he's given me leadership skills, all function perfectly in the role that I've been given to, to execute here. What about you? See, the goal is not for you to become more like me. The goal is become more like you. More like God has created you to be, more like God has called you to be, more like the grace of God working in and through you revealed to the world. What would that look like? What would it look like if you're the person that comes into the office and you're the one helping dissolve the tensions, the politics, the issues? What if you're the one that is coming in and bringing wisdom or integrity? What if you're the one that is coming and bringing peace to a broken family? What if you're the one that is coming to release love to broken hearts, to orphans, to widows? What if you're called to minister to gang members? What if you're called to minister in in the artistic industry, whether it's the visual arts or creative arts? What if you're called to see the city of London transformed for God's glory? Whatever it might be, what would grace look like working out through you? So we're supposed to be sitting secure in Christ. The second is that we're connected to people and to God. There's no such thing as the individual Christian. If you're an individual Christian, you've not got a revelation. Actually, you're part Christian. I don't want to go stronger than that. But you see, if we really love God, if we really love Jesus, if he's really met with us, then that love overflows. That love overflows, and you can't love objects. To say you love a car is sorry, it's a misnomer. You love people. You love people that can re- respond or not. And if we're Christians, we love people. We're called to love people. How can you say that you love God when you don't love the brother who you can see in front of you? That's such a challenge. And that means for us to really be seated right. We know that we're secure in Christ, but we also know that we're part of a body. We're part of a body that is called to give glory to Jesus. John John 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And verse 18 Little children, let us love not love in word or deed, but in word or talk, but in deed. And in truth. So if we're seated in Christ, we're secure in Him, we're connected to God and His people, we know finally that there's a purpose for our life and we're ready for action. Now, how does that happen? You see, it's all, as I was describing, it's all seating issues. How do we suddenly step into it? How do we suddenly realize this? Well, let's look again at Bartimaeus. Let's consider his situation. Did you know that Bartimaeus, as a blind man, under the law, was not allowed to be anywhere near any holy person. Under the law, he was not even allowed to build a relationship or to call out to or to seek advice from or to seek to connect with a religious person. Under the law. But you see what happens to Bartimaeus. He pushes aside the law not just to ignore it not just to say it doesn't count not just to say that it's irrelevant to me but to say this i'm seeing the higher power i'm seeing the one that's above the law i'm seeing the one who created the law i'm seeing the lord jesus christ and as jesus comes past he's crying out jesus you gotta stop hey hey come back don't go don't go why because he needs to get his sight back He's saying, you know what, Jesus, I need to meet with you. And what is Jesus' response? Jesus' response to Bartimaeus is the same response that he would have to any one of us. Call him. Have him come here. He didn't say, can't touch that guy, blind guy against the law. Anyone who calls on Jesus... Whether you're here today and you're one of those people that fits the whole list of sin that I described. You say, Jesus, I need you. He'll call you. Come here. Come here. See, of knew that he couldn't see of his own power. No matter how, you know, what is the most ridiculous thing that I don't understand is when you present scientists or atheists these days with miracles. You know what they say? Willpower is a strong thing. Cancer's healing. Willpower is a strong thing. Oh, so Eyes are opening. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe something, you know, some nerve got unblocked somehow spontaneously. Like that happens. But when Jesus calls, Bartimaeus, who knew that he couldn't see of his own power, reached out to Jesus and received a healing. And much more than just a physical restoration of his sight, he had the spiritual sight to see jesus and then to start a walk with him start to pursue him it says actually that the Bartimaeus didn't just sit there and go oh, okay jesus is calling me okay <sighs> <sighs> Wasn't lethargic about it. He was there. He's like, he wants me. Okay, okay, okay. He literally jumps up, jumps out of his seat, springs to action. Why? Because he knows who Jesus is. If you're here in church today, and to you Jesus is some old dude that lived two thousand years ago and did some good stuff, and irrelevant to you today, you don't know who Jesus is. The same Jesus who was alive then is alive today, and healing not just blind eyes and deaf ears, but broken hearts and broken minds, broken families. Broken societies, Jesus is working in and through to bring wholeness and salvation to this world to reveal the kingdom of God. And I want to call you today. Maybe there was something that I said that just connected with you exactly where you're at and you know that you need to follow Jesus. You know that you need to pull pull out your hand and say, you know what, Jesus. I don't want any shyness today, please. I'm making myself look hilarious jumping around on the platform, Right? So you can at least stick your hand up in just a moment. But I want to ask you, Jesus, who is he to you? Who is he to you? Because he sees you as the precious soul that he died for. He sees you as a life worth redeeming. He sees you as a life worth coming to earth to die for. Everyone just bow your heads for a moment. And if you're a Christian, I'd like you to pray. I'd like you to pray for someone in this house who needs to come to Christ. We're going to pray together. Father, lift up every person in this place today. Lord, people who need to know you and need to walk with you. And they have every reason that in their mind or heart that they might not be. But Lord, we ask you today that you'd meet with them. And Lord, particularly those that don't yet know you as their Lord and Savior, we ask you that you'd open their eyes. Open the eyes of their heart that they would see you. If you're here today and you want to accept Christ in your life, pray with me this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, say it out loud. Let's all of us pray together. Dear Jesus, I need you to forgive my sin. I need you to call me from the dirt of the side of the road, to sit with you in heavenly places, and to walk with you in your plan for my life. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to raise your hand here today and say, I want Jesus in my life. Be bold. Just raise your hand and everyone's got their head bowed. Thank you, sir. Anyone else here today? Just raise your hand and say, you know what? I want Jesus in my life. Thank you. I was by the side of the road, but Jesus came and found me. Father, I pray for these two men that have raised their hands. I ask you that, that you would minister to them and everyone else, Father, that wanted to respond. And Lord, that you would bring them into a deep relationship with you where their life would be transformed. That they would live out their purpose in you. In Jesus' name. Just, just to say, someone will come and grab you later on, give you a Bible, and pray with you, if that's cool. Haven't just finished my message just yet. Got a final point for us today. you might have been walking in your own way you might have identified with that self-sufficiency you might have identified with your sense of entitlement but Jesus having met with Bartimaeus said go your way your faith has made you well and immediately it said he recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way see the Lord doesn't say you have to come and follow in my way now Because I've healed you. He said to him, go your way. But Bartimaeus' choice, his decision was, I'm going to go your way with you. My way is your way. Your desire is my desire. Your path is my path. Ever heard that verse, Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart? You can read that from those three perspectives. Self-sufficient, God, I don't need you. I'm just going to meet my own needs. Entitled, God, I'm going to delight myself in you. Then you have to delight yourself and give me everything that I'm asking for. Or like Bartimaeus, Jesus says, go your way. And he says, no, 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 I'm not going my way. I'm following you, Jesus. The desires of my heart are to walk with the one who's given me such a free gift. See, finally, this issue of getting up to go. You might have found yourself by the side of the road because you didn't know what God was calling you to do. But let me say this to you, that God created you. God made you. That thing, the passion of your heart, whether it is to build a business that would glorify God, whether it is to travel the world, whether it genuinely is to be as part of a family and ministering to that family, The passion of your heart. What is it that God has put in your heart? See, this delight yourself in the Lord is not a formula that we can follow. It's about heart transformation. A true delight on the inward side as God transforms our heart. Passion of your heart. The clear way to know if the passion of your heart is aligned right is simple as this. Whose glory are you going for? You going for God's glory or you going for your glory? See, If you're aiming for God's glory, you're not going to go far wrong. If you're aiming for God's glory, you're not going to miss out. It might be tough, but hey, life is tough. I would rather have a tough life living the dream with God than a tough life struggling, sitting by the side of the road. See, sometimes we think that God doesn't want the best for us. Come and follow me. Oh, but God, you're going to take everything from me. Come and follow me. Oh, but God, you don't even like me. Why do you think I don't like you? Well, you know, because they don't hang art in Kensington Temple. They don't talk about builders in Kensington Temple. And they don't talk about, you know, so I just figured that the only way that you get to really be liked by God is you follow one of these. Come on now. Take a look around you. Take a look around at the creative creator's work in you. Take a look around at the orderly yet supernatural, the scientific genius, the relational complexity that God has placed in this earth. Can that same God not work with you where you're at? With the gifts that he's placed in you for his purposes? See, what's so beautiful is that we're all unique, but at the same time part of one body. We're all unique, filled with the same spirit of God. Participating with others filled with the same Spirit of God. One of the things I love about Kensington Temple, you've seen those Android adverts, be unique but not the same? Take a look around. You've got every continent re- reflected in the room. That we can sit here side by side, it's a miracle. That we can be in the same cells together, it's a miracle. You know, sometimes the world is just like compartmentalized. The artists in the corner over here, the scientists in their lab somewhere, the bankers in the pub after they've made a lot of money. Whatever it might be. But what about the body of Christ integrated? People learning to love and walk with one another. Unique, yet united by Christ. You really want to walk in the way of God for your life? Start to walk in the passion of your heart towards him for his glory. When he gives you small things to be faithful with, be faithful with them. Be faithful with your time with God. Be faithful with keeping in touch with people. You know, one thing, please, church, have mercy with me while I say this. I don't understand why Christians don't answer texts. It's like you send a text, how are you doing? If it had been anybody else, they would have responded. But because a Christian sent it, they're like, "Ah." Go on now. Be faithful with replying to people. The fact that they reach out to you. The fact that they care enough to see how you're doing. Be faithful with serving in the areas that God has given you to serve. Be faithful with the connections that God has given you. Last point. As you partner with God in the plan of God for your life, as you get up and start to walk, as you get up and start to go, Recognize this, that this is an adventure in the Spirit of God. Faith and risk are brothers in arms. You will not see God's power sitting at home in your cotton wool front room. See God's power stepping out, living life large, praying for people in your offices, praying for people that you see on the street, praying for people on the tube, and sometimes speaking to them actually. as you are worrying but we'd love to see the whole of London filled with people like Brett and others out there preaching the gospel and then laying hands on the sick but at least start to engage by praying and then loving praying and then serving praying and then acting for but you see as we walk in this partnership with God we'll come to see that there's a big wide world there's a big wide world that Jesus wants us to reach the work of Christ the purpose of God is for his kingdom to be here for the glorious heaven that he lives in to be manifested here on the earth. And that comes about as we see beyond our doorstep. As we see the people around us. And we start to love people and reveal the kingdom of God to them. So, hope you feel like getting up to go. This is time that we did. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray, Lord, today that people would begin to catch a genuine revelation. A revelation that would transform their lives, Lord. They come to church each week to sit by the side of the road in the dirt when they should be coming to sit in the presence of the Lord Jesus and coming to fulfill his plan and purpose for our lives. And Lord, there's so many different reasons, but we yield them to you. Lord, I pray for those that have disconnected because of wounds to their heart where people have let them down, where people have betrayed them, where people have spoken negatively about them, where people have not returned the love that they have extended. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would enable them to step out of that place of brokenness. Lord, I pray for those, Father, that have lost any faith in themselves because of the sin that they've committed, lost any hope of ever being walking with Christ. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you bring a revelation to their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would start to witness to them by the Spirit of God that a cleansing would start to happen in their hearts, that they would know fully and freely how much they're loved by you and forgiven by you. And Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, open the eyes of our understanding. Bartimaeus might have been blind physically, but he certainly saw you spiritually. Some of us maybe can see physically, but we're blinded spiritually to the needs around us, to the people around us, to the broken lives around us. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we don't need to fly to India or China to minister to broken people. We just need to walk down Kensington Park Road. We need to look to the people to our left and our right. We need to look to the people in our offices and in our homes. And Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, that in the pursuit of the call of God upon our lives, in us walking out each day who you've created us to be, Lord, that we would bring your kingdom through the love of Christ, that we would start to release people into the life of Christ just like we've been released. Lord, we thank you that we don't do this religiously. We thank you we do it because we've received a revelation of who you are and we're choosing to walk after you. Lord, let lives be transformed in this coming month, that we would see Christians starting to shine like lights, being inspired by the testimonies of one another, that we would see marriages restored, that we would see job uh, employment offices becoming much more healthy environments, that we would start to see families made whole, that we'd give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.